Hello and welcome back to Hold On I'm Talking Brother. My name is Joe Greenwood and you are listening to our preview of UFC 285, which is headlined by Cyril Garn versus John Jones with a vacant heavyweight title and with a co-main event of Valentina Shevchenko versus Alexa Grasso for the Women's Flyweight Championship. Tom, this is a stacked card, to say the least. And I've got a very simple question here. Should John Jones be let back into Vegas? <laughs> uh, well, Dana swore it should never happen. It's a bad combination. Uh, we only have an hour for the pod, so we can't go through his full list of prime <laughs> But uh, he's quite the rap sheet in, in Vegas. And to that point, they had to bring in a standby for this main event in case John Jones gets up to no good and can't actually fight. Yes, uh, they Dana didn't reveal who it was, but it has been revealed now that uh, there is a backup. Uh, hopefully we don't get to see him fight this weekend, but I would be excited to see him fight either of these guys at some point in the future. But uh, we'll get to that in a moment, Tom. It's it's Sergei Pavlovich. It is Sergei Pavlovich. And he will be fighting one of these guys eventually. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, as you say, give the man time to repair full focus for these two these two guys are destined to meet and we're going to get to see it this saturday absolutely right listeners me and tom are about to preview the main card of ufc 285 we're going to make picks for each fight and uh, we'd pick uh, pick who we think is going to win and if we get that correct that's one point and if we get the method correct as well that's two points 10 points on offer and i am the defending champion i've won the last two cards in a row Thank you, Justin Taffer. And uh, <laughs> thank you, Jamal Hill. Uh, and so Tom, he's feeling it a bit now. He's feeling the pressure. But is he inspired by the return of John Jones, his hero, his goat, and uh, his return to the Octagon? We're about to find out. Because that's where we're about to start. Main event, Cyril Garn versus John Jones for the heavyweight title. It's almost as good as it gets. It's almost as good as it gets. <laughs> yeah, it's 95% of the way there. And we wouldn't even know about that 5% had it not been for the existence and reign of a certain Francis Ngannou, mm. no longer with us in the UFC, but still holds a deep place in our hearts. Absolutely. Does take a little bit of shine off of this fight. But we've been through that in prior pods. We're going to move forward with what we have, which is a fantastic, intriguing matchup. 11 years in the making. John Jones is ready <laughs> to fight at heavyweight. He's finally bulked up. Now, actually, that's where I want to start. John has taken three years to bulk up to get to heavyweight, um, having fought at light heavyweight before. Um, when he was fighting at light heavyweight, he was around about 220 in the 230 range, depending on which fight he was in. It tended to be in that range. And he's taking this time to bulk up. Now, do you think he's... Because there's a weird thing with John in this fight is that we there's a real unknowable about him. Is like, is he going to actually push the heavyweight limit? Is he going to weigh at 265? Because there's no way he's going to do that. Is that'd be a ludicrous thing to do. Yeah, I mean, when you think about other heavyweights, um, not with a similar build to Jones, but you know, you, you think about the guys who are pushing the heavyweight limit. There's there's two models of that. <laughs> there's uh well you already mentioned him justin taffer yeah there's the the justin taffer mold yeah. so uh, the, the uh how do we say the the bulk in its natural flowing yeah <laughs> glory you yeah know? so like stocky fellas yeah Augustus a guy yeah uh, you know walt harris usually known for their cardio yeah yeah walt harris 
And then you have Francis Ngannou. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Cyril Garn, he's getting up there as well. Just absolute units. Yeah. True cut. You know, Cyril Garn, he's coming in, what, 245, 250. He's floating around that limit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he's le- lean, sleek. He's a true heavyweight. Yeah. Jones, he doesn't have it. He doesn't have the build for that. Do you, do you find this, like, a weird way? Like, if you were his coach manager would this have been the way that you would have suggested it to him because i always thought that when he moved up to heavyweight actually being on the lighter side of the heavyweight limit is where i would have thought he would have been at his best but is he thinking like i need to bulk up so that when i go for a takedown or when i land a shot it's going to have this extra weight behind it because i don't know to me there's i always thought the speed was going to be his great advantage at heavyweight well, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Joe. I, I would have felt the same, but it's about the evolution in that heavyweight division. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It, the modern heavyweight is a fast-moving athlete who can fight for 15, if not 25 minutes. Mm. Um, it's not it's not all about explosive power, but mm. more that in, endurance as well. Uh, now, the thing is, that means he doesn't have a necessary advantage stepping up a fighting Cyril Garn. I don't think he's going to actually have the speed or movement advantage against Garn. So mm. where's he going to find his advantage? It could be, as you say, in the wrestling game where he's really going to need every pound and he's going to want Garn to carry those pounds and try to sap him of some of his uh, movement and and athleticism. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be the obvious game plan for Jones, isn't it? Is to implement a wrestling-heavy approach. I, I don't know if that's actually physically possible, though. Because you see a guy like Curtis Blades, who is a natural wrestler, who has... In the past, remember the Volkov fight where Blaze just endlessly was taking Volkov down and gassed. Like, he couldn't do it for 25 minutes. It's too difficult of, a, of, a, of a, an approach. So I feel like if John is going to go for this wrestling approach, he can't do it for all 25 minutes. And he knows that. He knows he can't do that for 25 minutes. So at what point then, what do you mix into that then? It's, well, yeah, go on. Yeah, well, this is where the questions of the fight, they really lie. I mean, Jones, let's just talk about what he's, how he's had this reign of dominance over the light heavyweights. What have been his key tools here? And will he still be able to carry them through the heavyweight? The long legs, no. the long arms. Yeah, it's it's the reach, all right? Well covered, longest reach in the UFC, 84 and a half inches. And uh, as you say, he's able to get every inch out of them, especially with this kicking game. For me, that's where Jones truly excels. He's never, for me, really carried the power in his hands. No. Um, but the variety of kicks and the selection is what sets him apart yeah, from yeah. from the competition so far. So everybody knows the teep kick, you know, that check kick yeah. when the opponent loads up on the front foot to try to unload their own strike. Jones is there. With that teep kick, which checks the knee, we saw him hyperextends uh, the knee and sort of yes, saw that happen to Reyes. Really, really upset him. And mm. of course, you know there was a discussion at one point in Jose's career: should this kick even be legal? Yeah. Such as the destructive power. Rampage. Um, Rampage was the one who sort of started pushing that narrative, wasn't it? Of like that's dirty fighting. Uh, that and one other tool that Jones uses to measure. Uh, the range and the reach, uh, poking you in the eye. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he's always had like this is the thing with Jones is that like he's a really nasty dude when he gets in there. Like he's a really yeah. vicious. Well, not guy. just when he gets in there. Jim. Well, uh... <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. All right, all right, all right. Let's let's yeah. Okay, there's there's some stuff. Obviously, you talk about this reach. There was also the other one that he did against Glover, 
which was when he was he basically fought Glover in just a clinch battle, and he would arm crank him standing up. It's kind of a bit of a dirty move, particularly in like jujitsu and grappling like tournaments. It's considered a bit of like a dirty move, but Jones implements it. It's technically not against the rules. So, is he doing something wrong, or is it dishonourable? Like, it's what do you really say about this? You mentioned the reach, though. Like, he's got a reach of eighty-four inches, but Garner has a reach of eighty-one. This is the first time Jones is going to be facing a guy who is like basically at the same sort of reach as him. Who, I'll be honest, I think in terms of like a kickboxing side of this fight, I don't think he's going to have really be that surprised by anything by Jones apart from those low leg kicks and it's not like the classic low leg kicks that you really see Jones doesn't really throw those it is the teeps it is that sort of like teep to the body and that I think is going to be really important for both of these guys because Garn also a lot of like his setups come through base attacks so you saw it a lot in like particularly the Tuivasa fight where he would be standing orthodox and then it would just you'd flick this kick just to the body repeatedly over and over and over again he did against Volkov as well like that's the thing I really like about Garn is his variety of shots of where he lands and where he throws to like he is he does work the body which you know a lot of guys don't don't do that like again I'm looking here at the Volkov fight 25% of the shots went to the body like that's that's a lot more than than most yeah, it's um, it's devastating mm. is what it is. Really upset to Ivasa to the point where he was dropping his hands so low he couldn't take any more of those body kicks. Yeah, and yeah. that, of course, opened up uh, a lot more options up top. Then he can come over the top with the hooks. As you say, he's got the reach as well. Very stiff, strong jab, which he kind of thrusts into yeah, yeah. piston-like for a heavyweight. Uh, now, Jones isn't going to be used to that. Somebody jabbing him and then being back kind of on the edge of the range, back in safety. Yeah, uh, It truly is a different type of test to Jones. Now, you mentioned him going to the wrestling. We should mention uh, Garn's loss, only loss in his career, was to Francis Ngannou, and it was via... Wrestling. A wrestling heavy yeah. approach, which came later in the fight. Really uh, surprised us all. Garn, I suspect, hadn't given full attention to that in his camp. He certainly fought like he hadn't. Mm. Because once he was on his back, Joe, didn't look like he knew a way to get to get out of it. Okay, that. hold on. You're talking about Francis Ngannou, though, who actually outweighs Garn by about 30 to 40 pounds. So I'm going to say to you, Tom, even Francis Ngannou, with a bit of wrestling... I think it's probably quite hard to get out from underneath. Stipe struggled. Stipe's a better wrestler than Francis. I think we can acknowledge that in terms of like the technical ability. We've seen that. It's hard to get a man of that size off of you. Uh, the other thing is, is that the takedowns came off of strikes from Garn. Particularly the high head kick where Francis caught it and then just sort of like power slammed him to the mat. As uh, Cormier said on commentary, the big Van Vader powerbomb. Uh, and it was. It was that. The thing, though, when I, I rewatched that fight, I mean, Francis signposted the knees, and yet Garn didn't throw to the knees, and his coach was just like, he's faking you, the knees aren't, those aren't the issues, I, I guarantee it's not the issues. And it turns out it actually was. Like, is there a weird thing that maybe Garn was like, I'm going to fight the honourable way here, I'm going to beat this guy who I've known and respect, and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to beat him the honourable way. Well, this was a part of um, of uh, his approach to the Tuivasa fight. Mm. Uh, his coach, refresh me of his name. Uh, Fernand Lopez. 
Fernand Lopez, yeah, for, uh, out of Paris, of course, with mm. the history with Ngannou as well. Uh, Fernand Lopez was on record saying, going into the Suivasa fight, he wants to bring the monster out of Ghana. Mm. You've got to go in there. You've got to hurt people. Mm. It's not just a point-scoring kickboxing kickboxing match. Yeah. And um, and he was highlighting in the Suivasa fight that, you know, Ghana took more risks. Yeah. Um, and he was prepared to get her a little bit to get his shots, shots off. Now... Yeah, I think there was an element of that against Francis that uh, the you know Gans a gentleman. He's a he's a very likable guy. Yeah, um, hard to imagine that he he really likes Jones in the same way. <laughs> and obviously, having suffered that setback to Ingarnu, mm. I, I don't think it's going to be a big issue for him. You know, I think one or two eye pokes from Jones and and Garn will be ready to hurt him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that would be. That's something that I really question about this fight as well. On the feet, is that I think it could end up in a bit of a stalemate. I don't. Do you are you getting this impression? Because rewatching their fights, they're very happy to disengage when they're not in position, and they can see a guy coming like, whoa, 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 Nelly, hey, this is on my terms, mate, not yours. Like Jones did that against Tiago Santos, did it against Dom Reyes, even did it against Anthony Smith. You know, he didn't need to do it against these guys. He probably could have waded in there. And finish them. That was what I got from rewatching those fights. Is that Jones, I don't think, was motivated in any of those fights. And he was just happy to cruise, like, particularly when he got to, like, rounds four and five, where I'm like, all right, I can see this out. I know what I'm doing now. I can get through this. And it even came out, I mean, Luke Thomas quoted this. He spoke to Brandon Gibson, Jones' striking coach. And he said, why didn't Jones go for a takedown? And he thought, well, Santos has got so much power coming up the middle that I'm just not going to risk it. Like, I'm just, just not going to risk it. It's fine. Whereas, would a younger Jones gone like, oh, he's got that coming through the middle. Am I going uh, to... Can I go for my takedown? Right, I got it now. Like, I th- felt like he was going to go for it. Yeah, there's some interesting comments from Jones uh, about Tiago Santos, actually, in the round. <laughs> yes. uh, Do you have the quotes? Kind of, yeah. Do you have it in front of you there? No, no, I don't. I don't. Uh, yeah, so he basically said uh, that... <laughs> that uh, Garn doesn't offer anything in terms of like speed and mobility on the feet or as a kickboxer mm. uh, because he's fought guys like Tiago Santos, uh, which I just found absolutely bizarre. Yeah, he said he described Santos as technical and explosive, where it's like he's definitely explosive. Explosive. <laughs> yeah, explosive. Technical, no. I mean, if it's like, it depends on what your definition of technical is. Is it, you know, agility, balance, setups, you know, linking attacks? Or is it he threw some spinny shit and it was fun? Like, do you know what I mean? Right, just explode on the centre line. What's, your, what's, what's, it, what's your favourite Santos exploding, like, through the centre? It's probably, probably Jimmy Manoa. Oh, I was going to go the Hermanson one. Do you remember the Hermanson one? The switch kick to the to the body and then he's just and like, then he just... hooks, 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 yeah, running yeah, forward. charging forwards. Yeah, yeah. And then Hermanson was like, oh my God, get me out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I'd like to get a list of commentators and we copy down every word they say. See how long it gets the word technical. Yeah, uh, to yeah. Describe, describe that. Um, so very strange from Jones. Yeah, I got to say now, Joe. My take here is when we see Jones and Garn on the feet. You say they both got a tendency to disengage. They like to, you know, pick their moments, pick their opponent, wear them down from the outside. Mm. You know, generate the openings. I actually think Garn will outpoint Jones in, in that range. Mm. And I think Jones will become pretty apparent pretty quick. He's got to be going after him. Mm. Uh, I think Garn is harder to hit than John Jones. Now, 
John Jones has got a fantastic striking defense, but the movement of Gahan mm. is is really it's something else, Joe. Yeah. It's something else. He's so light on his on his lead foot, bouncing in and out, uh, measures the range just perfectly. I think he'll cruise a- away from Jones in that range. Uh, if it if it stays in that range, though, if it stays in that realm, which is why I'm saying I don't think. Yeah, you, you mentioned a stalemate. A stalemate means that John Jones loses. Do you reckon? That's interesting. Yes. Now, let's talk about the wrestling. The, my issue with Jones with the wrestling is comes down to the bulk of like, is he going to have the speed to get to Garn in an open mat takedown, Tom? I'm asking you this question directly. Because you need to have the speed and power to get to it. I haven't seen much of Jones. Of course, we don't know at heavyweight. But what I can say is that in his last fights, I've seen a slower, more plodding Jones. And... Little bit of footage of him hitting some pads. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was put next to was it the one for the Rashad fight? I I haven't seen it spliced up with that, but yeah. I think it would be quite telling. Yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, it, like explosive and fast uh, is not how I would describe what I saw from Jones. He was plodding, uh, yeah, absolutely plodding. Yeah. So I think that's a big question mark against Jones. Do you think they put that footage out there knowing that people would react like that? Like, I, the, Jones is a. I've, there was a story Anthony Smith talked about this is that, like, Jones fucks with you throughout the week of the fight. Like, he's calling you up in the middle of the night on your hotel room. Like, he's messaging you. He's sending stuff to your room. Like, he's messing with you the whole time. Like, he's doing these weird wow. things. And it's just like, yeah, but, like, is there a part of you that thinks that he's messing with him? Because, I don't know, man. He's, as, as I've said, and we talked about it briefly before recording, like, watching that countdown, he's a weird dude. He's a weird. Joe, guy. If you took the time to watch that countdown, you'd have seen footage of him with a with the with a dog. The dog thing, right? yeah, yeah. And he he was just relishing in the fact that he could choose how and where his dog would bite you. Yeah. And also that he had like the mastery of the dog to to get it to stop. Yeah. John Jones is a scary, scary man. And I don't just mean that like this is a heavyweight dude. I mean like John Jones and his dog, late night Albuquerque drinking. Oh lord! Yeah. Oh lord! Yeah. I, you know that was the guy's got some serious issues. Yeah, that was the thing I also took from you know because I went through Jones's timeline as well leading up to it. So it's like whenever he's been active, and I mean three fights a year, four fights within sixteen, eighteen months, he doesn't have these issues that come out. He doesn't have these things. It's when he slows down. It's when he you know he had the hit and run incident, and he was out for a year, and then he had to, like he had these weird incidents that kept popping up because he is. I, he, I think he's got some weird disconnect, I think. Like, I mean, we're getting into some weird psychology thing here when I want to talk about the wrestling, but he's got this weird disconnect of, like, I, I feel like he doesn't have empathy for people. No, he doesn't. He doesn't have any empathy. I would love to see a psychologist break down just the way he talks about about yeah others, about himself. There was a... Uh, there was about a, God. Yeah. There was a fascinating interview with a guy who was working with Jones... Um, on his strength and conditioning, who Jones sacked. And he basically tricked this guy into making a mistake and then fired him and yelled at him and embarrassed him in front of everyone. And, and this guy was like... Basically, there, Jones did this thing of like, oh, let's do like a water chugging contest because we need to get hydrated. And like, they kept chugging this water. And he was just like... And guys were like, needs to go for a piss. And so guys were like going around by the side of the house to go piss against the wall. And then go back in because you know the toilet was too far away because he wants to just keep working 
And this guy, he was just like, oh, I need to go. He's like, oh, no, no, hold on. I need you to do this with me. So he delayed him going for a piss. And in that time he delayed him, his Jones's fiance and kids had come home. And then the guy finally went out for a piss. He came back and John lambasted him saying, like, you exposed yourself in front of my family. Like, my family could have seen that. Like, this sort of thing. And the guy was just like, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? Like, that's where you send us to go piss. And he's just like, my family's in this house. And you do that. Like, yeah. It's really weird. And, like, he got sacked. And Jones even, like, acknowledged this. And he posted some video online about where the guys were going to show that they were going there. And that this guy went later to almost be like, oh, no, he waited to go there when my family was back. And it was like... It's really, wow. it's a weird yeah. man, isn't he? He's a weird Joe, dude. Joe, I mean, I don't want to stray too much away from the fight, but there's one other thing I want to add on this point. There is footage out there on the internet of John Jones at night mm. running through Texas with a shotgun. Yeah. And you could splice that into any Netflix murder mystery and mm. it would fit right in. Just this silhouetted figure, yeah. tall, lanky, kind of slender man guy <laughs> sprinting with a shotgun. With a dog that he can train to attack on people? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, really, really. All right, can I go back to the wrestling just quickly? Yeah, I think we should. Yeah, um, I don't think he's going to get a takedown from open mat. It's going to have to be from a clinch. And it's going to have to be from blitzing Garland back to the cage and getting a clinch from there. I think he's going to have to work a clinch game to get anything going. I mean, and also his strikes and also some dirty tricks in there, you know, the arm cranks, that sort of thing. I think Jones is going to have to do that to get to any sort of wrestling approach. Do you agree or disagree on that? I agree 100%. And Joe, I don't think he's going to be able to do it. No. I've picked Cyril Garn to win the fight. Yeah. How have you picked yeah, him? By decision. That's interesting. That's really, really interesting. I, um, about two weeks ago, I was thinking about this fight and I was just like, and it crystallized to me what I think is going to happen. And I. Just like, no, that's it. I, I figured it. I figured it out. And I saw some other people talking about it, and they were, like, kind of going on the same thing. Like, I'm, I'm on to something. And then just something happened this week, which was watching Jones and knowing he's back and the character and the fact he's such a sportsman and an athlete and that he's a competitor and that he's got this drive. And he wasn't motivated for those last three fights. And when he's motivated, this is a vicious dude. This is a a very dangerous fighter and a very dangerous human being and it's like something twinged inside me where I was just like there's something about this guy and then I clocked it's three years since his last fight and he's bulked up 40 pounds of muscle and he was getting slower anyway and now he's facing a guy who's the absolute epitome of modern heavyweight MMA of Tom Aspinall of even and I know it's a bit of a joke but Stick with me here. Sergei Pavlovich. Do you know what I mean? Of like guys who are quick. Quick, quick guys. Cyril gone by decision. My my days, Joe. I, I I thought you'd be a you know, a mark for Jones. And and to be honest, I uh went to bed last night very confident that that, that Jones was the pick for me. Yeah. Um I went to the toilet. Briefly before this part to clear my thoughts, came back, ready to switch my decision over to Jones and resisted the temptation. Uh, hell of a fight. Can't wait to see it. I think this could be quite a boring fight. <laughs> yeah, but it's about the positioning. It's about what it means for the sport. The drama of it as well. The heavyweight. Of course. And hold on, I'm talking to brother. We're all about the drama. We're all about, or at least I'm all about the narrative. Uh, 
yeah, it might be a little bit of a boring fight. Mm. John Jones fights, Joe, I'll be honest with you, they often are, especially yep. of late. When he was the young rookie coming through, fighting Shogun Hua. Yeah, but those fights, those fights aren't relevant, though. He doesn't do most right. of that stuff. He doesn't throw the spinning stuff in the same way. He doesn't do these crazy athletic stuff because he's a man in his mid-30s now who's taken a lot of damage. Who He's, he's Ronaldo after he went to Real Madrid, yeah. you know? He's, he's oh, not, he's not okay. a tricky winger anymore. Oh, oh right, right, yeah. He's, he's just know? basically he's like just... a cannon that you have to line up into place before it really works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Let's talk about the co-main event here. Valentina Shevchenko is back. Nine months off from her last fight in which she won a disputed decision over Tyler Santos. She faces Alexa Grasso. Uh, Grasso is uh, ranked number four, I believe, in the flyweight division here. Interesting matchup, I've got to say. Interesting matchup. Purely from the fact that Shevchenko has shown that there is a weakness to her game, which is the wrestling. If you have a wrestling game, you can take her down. And she's been taken down in every single fight she's had in the UFC. Alexa Grasso is a boxer. But she's a pretty good boxer for women's flyweight, I've got to say. She has really good footwork, really good sort of measuring a distance and uh, ability to engage and disengage. And I think that she poses an interesting challenge of can she basically... She's going to have to lead the dance. Shevchenko's going to have to counter... And how does she respond to those counters? Because we know what Shevchenko's counters are mostly, which is the body kick, one-two counter, angle off, lead hand hook, angle off. Body kicks, set that up for the head, for the high kick. It's not a complicated game plan in terms of what she's going to do. It's just more that her timing. Can you get into Shevchenko's timing? Well, another key element we should highlight is her wrapping people up in clinches, you know, yeah, yeah. Muay, Thai, Muay Thai grip and, and, and working working her offense off of there. You know, I think that's also when, uh, not when she's exposed on the feet, but when when she's got her offense off. Mm. It's kind of like boxing when you want to tie someone up. Yeah. You know, you're, you, yeah, you're at the end of your kind of comp- combo and, and she'll then tie her opponents up. Uh, before we get into this particular fight, I just wanted to check back on that Tyler Santos fight. Do you remember how you have that had that one? I had it Santos three rounds to two. Yeah. It was it was the same thing with the Makachev Volkanovsky thing of her taking the back and then Shevchenko doing the, you know, like Volkanovsky and Shevchenko did the shots over the the shoulder, mm, the little rabbit punch, the rabbit of... punch thing. Yeah, I, I again to not to relitigate the Volkanovsky Makachev fight. We'll do that again later this year when the rematch is set. Not to spoil my pick for Yair versus Volkanovsky, but um, um. I think, you know, getting the back and the back attacks and getting into that position is more valuable than reaching over and punching from punching over your shoulder, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, sorry, Tom. Um, do you remember how you scored that fight? Yeah, I had it the same. I had uh, Tyler Santos winning that fight. Um, yeah, I think you've already summed this one up in that Shevchenko perhaps does have a chink in her armour, and when you start to look down the rankings, women coming through... Yeah. There's one... This is a weird thing for Grasso, is that, like, she could be the third Mexican champion this year, and that could be an incredible moment for Mexican Mexican MMA. It'd be a great moment to see, see this champion dethroned, but... I feel like people want it to be Blanchfield. And, like, Grasso could really spoil this for the fans in a way of, like, she could have this incredible moment and whatever. But, like, we kind of want to see Shevchenko against Blanchfield, don't we? We want to see her against Tatiana Suarez if she stays at flyweight. I don't think she is. I think she's going to go back down to strawweight. Um, 
but yeah, it's kind of an awkward fight in terms of timing, isn't it? Certainly, yeah. People looking past uh, Alexa Grasso. Certainly the odds makers are looking past Alexa Grasso. She is the biggest underdog mm. on the main card. Yeah. Uh, you get f- it's five to one if you were to stump up some cash for Alexa Grasso. It's not um, bad. For those, for those of you who, are, who would be tempted by that option, you know, what, what's, what's her kind of key to victory? What, what might she be able to get off here to, to beat it's, Shevchenko? It's going to be the boxing. Over five rounds. It's going to be the boxing that she's going to have to use. Um... And she's going to have to be able to disengage from her. I, again, I think this could end up in the same way of Jones versus Garn, of like two people disengage, like a counter striker, and then someone who has to lead the dance but is willing to disengage as well. Because I think really, if Grasso is going to do this, and she also has to be aware that Shevchenko is probably going to try and stop her mobility, the low leg kicks will probably become a, a lot more more of a common attack for her in this fight because of Grasso's footwork. <laughs> What I, I, happens in this fight? Uh, Shevchenko, you know, clinches her up and then catches her with a trip or, or with one of these kind of judo throws. Yeah, I, uh, which... I could, I could see Shevchenko going to the grappling. I could see her going to that, you know, in the same way she did against Andrade, and she just smoked Andrade on the ground like it wasn't even close to being competitive. And I think if Grasso presses forward, that could happen. That sort of takedown underneath of a strike, you know, that could happen from there. So then Grasso would then have to follow it up with knees. I think. That's another thing as well, is that she can't just rely on the boxing. She has to show knees at some stage, even as just as a feint, to then open up the hands from there and to stop the sort of takedowns. And then trying to press Shevchenko up against the cage, that is going to be really difficult because Shevchenko does back up to the cage, but she's always got space to then back up and angle off. Like, she's never totally back up against the cage. And if you do get her there, I think body shots would be the thing to go for. Um, Shevchenko by decision. Yeah, Shevchenko by decision. <laughs> right. Um, well, let's get into it. Two fights here we're going to talk about in a moment. Banger Central, Tom. Let's get into this one. Welterweight division. Uh, you know, I'd say boy light for us. Jeff Neal, Hands of Steel, uh, is back against, well... What do you even call this man? A marauder? A beast? That's right. Shavkat Rachmanov is back. Undefeated 16-0. and Welterweight fighting out of Kazakhstan here. This is a big test for both of these men. This is like, are you going to be facing Gilbert Burns, Colby Covington, Bilal Mohamed? Or are you going to be relegated to Neil Magny and Michael Chiesa? Well, uh, interesting that you should mention Neil Magny, the ever-present guardian of the top ten. Yeah, uh, Jeff Neil, yeah, already succumbed to to Magny. Yeah, um, he failed the Magny test, mm. and yet here he is fighting Shavkat Rachmanov, and that is in no small part thanks to his knockout victory last time out in August of Vicente Luque. You remember the uppercuts, Joe? <laughs> what, the ten uppercuts he threw in a row with his left hand? Hilarious. Oh, <laughs> Hilarious. That's what I love about Neil, is that he he is, he is does press the action, but he's so frustrating. Like, he's a strong striker, left-hand dominant, but he's a headhunter. And when he finally threw to the body against Luke, it was like, oh my god, he's actually getting somewhere. He's actually getting it. And you could hear Safe Saud in his corner going like, throw to the body! Please, Jeff! Please throw to the body. Like, it was such a frustrating performance at times. And then when he it clicked, it was bliss. Like, it was like, this guy's so good. 
that's the thing with Neil is like, can he get it to click together? Well, the other big win on his record, uh, not talked so much about now, but a man who's gone on to be quite prominent at welterweight is the winner of the Bilal Muhammad. Mm. Do yeah. you remember that fight? Uh, did Jeff Neil win by decision? He did, yeah. yeah Back yeah. in 2019, this was. Yes, I remember this. Um, yeah, he just, basically Bilal couldn't get anything going off of the wrestling, and it basically got right. stuck in clinches. Right, and it's these two components, a man who can put away Vicente Luque on the feet and fend off Bilal Mohammed mm. that makes him an interesting prospect at welterweight. It does. And hence, and hence why, you know, we kind of let, let it slide that he did fail the Magni test. Uh, on the other side of the octagon, Shavkat Rachmanov, a man who most certainly did not fail the Magni test. No, uh, Rachmanov, I mean, when we go through his strengths... You just say everything, don't you? Like his, but the thing is, is that like his wrestling isn't like lights out great wrestling. His gra- it's the ground. It's the ground and pound, Joe. Yeah, it's the it's where these things get him to. Like so, for example, let me talk about Rachmanov's weaknesses. Is that one of them? He can be pressed up against the cage. It's happened quite a few times where he kind of just gets like stuck there, or like it's not that he's stuck there. He's waiting because he's waiting for. Uh, let's say you've got him pressed against the clinch and he's got like a right underhook. He's waiting of like, all right, when am I going to get my right leg out so I can trip you up and then get on top of you? And he'll wait. He'll wait like a minute, 90 seconds of like, okay, you can work there. I'll just wait. I'll just wait. And rounds could disappear that way. But it's when he gets those trips and he gets the ground and pound and he has such a specific ground and pound that he really goes for, which is the sort of stacked guard, you know, where like your feet are up and like he's, you can't really like get an up kick going because of how you're angled, and all you can really do to defend yourself is sort of get from like cover your head, and then hits the hellacious up above you, ground and pound coming. It's uh, it's brutal, isn't it, from uh, Rachmanov? Yeah, it's really it's absolutely savage. I mean, you mentioned uh, the weapons and where to begin. Uh, the man loves a wheel kick. Yes. The Carlston, and we love men who love wheel kicks. Yeah, the Carlston Harris one, spinning hook kick to then the ground and pound, the stacked ground and pound from there. The thing, the only weakness that really will come from that is that that could offer leg entanglements. Now, I don't think Jeff Neal will be going for those, but a Gilbert Burns would. And he has yeah. been caught in that position. Against Magni, he got caught in that position a bit. It wasn't yeah. close. It wasn't close, but it was still there. It was waiting to see if he was going to fall into that. And the other big weapon I like, Joe, I like the step-in knee. Oh, yeah. Great linear Ooh. attacks. Yeah, step-in yeah. knees, yeah. Really, really hurts his opponent. And uh, that, of course, opens up so many other options to mm. follow on from that. Yeah. He also does fight very long. Like, he fights at range. And it's like, you have to break through that range to get inside. And it's so difficult. As you say, those knees are waiting for you there. Spinning hook kicks. Um, you know, head kicks as well. Like coming, like sort of like whipping up, nice disguises on them. Just really good kickboxing as well. Um, slight problem, and I have seen this, is that sometimes he doesn't move his head if like it's in a tight exchange. So he'll throw and like he'll leave his head there, and he can get caught occasionally. I just struggle to see how Jeff Neal will break that that line basically that's set by Rachmanov's range. Yeah, it's it's a big issue for Neil to overcome. Uh, of course, if he can, if he can find his way inside, and Rachmanov uh, doesn't have fluid head movement, 
Jeff Neal will love that, Joe. Yeah. The man is a headhunter. <laughs> yeah, as we saw in that Wonderboy fight that was so frustrating. Just throw to the body, Jeff, please. Like, it, it's... It is so frustrating to watch him, isn't it? Like, he just... He loves throwing at the head. Um... God, it's just irritating sometimes. Tom, I've gone for uh, Rachmanov by submission. Yeah, uh, of course you have. Uh, You'd be a madman not to pick Rachmanov to win this fight Mm. uh, just because of what we've seen so far. Uh, I went for a KO. Low output from Rachmanov, though. 2.54 compared to Neil's 5.27. Neil absorbs at 5.28, though, so it's basically one for one. So I'm, I'm hedging my bets there. Could be something wild on the feet, but I'm also thinking about that ground and pound show. I can't, I can't stop yeah. thinking about it. So. Can we uh, just quickly address the fact now, there was sort of like a fan-made rivalry made between Rachmanov and Hamzat Shemaev at welterweight. Um, Shemaev's coach was recently talking uh, to Mission Radio, and he said um, Shemaev's done at welterweight, and he's middleweight is the move for him now. Now... Are the UFC going to change their promotional sites from Chimaev at welterweight to Rachmanov? Because I feel like they won't. Like, this is a guy no. who just doesn't have that personality. I mean, it's the personality I like, the Fedor cold killer, you know. But yeah, he, he hasn't lit the touch pi- paper just yet. No. I'm not sure if this is the fight to do it for him either, unfortunately. He needs, he needs the right matchup to bring it out of him. Uh, still look forward to seeing what comes up if they do a press conference this week mm. I really hope they do I think they've got the, the fighters for it mm. um, but I did see the U- UFC has gone back to uh, Kazakhstan with Rachmanov they put something oh, nice. out on their YouTube channel so you know there's there's time for Rachmanov to become to become Hamza-esque yes. maybe like he's the light side and Hamza's the dark side yeah 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 if alright who what would you rather see? Would you rather see Rachmanov versus the winner of Edwards versus Usman or Chimaev versus the winner of Adesanya versus Pereja? Oh. I honestly, I'll tell you the truth right now, Joe. I'd like one more fight for both of those guys. Okay. I'd like one, I'd, yeah, I'd like one more fight for both of those guys. Chimaev, if he's going to go up to, to middleweight. Oh, oh I, don't think they're gonna, I don't think they're next. Right. Either of these guys. Like, I don't think they're next. Right. But if I'm just saying, like, if they get into that position, who would you be more excited to see? I'm not that excited about the prospect of Chimaev fighting Adesanya or Pereira. You're not? Not, not really. Not really. You know, I, I, that I, first I, round, man, it could be carnage. Like, he just gets shot out of a cannon, doesn't he? <laughs> like, oof. Oof, indeed. I mean, I guess we're going to find out, Joe. It seems like these boys are destined for the for mm. the biggest fights out there. So, yeah, don't deny them either. Just like let them have these these shots. Um, like just embrace the fact that these guys are just so good. But as as you said, I think Chimaev Whitaker is absolutely the fight to make. <laughs> like, you know, that's it. Like that is the oh. test. Oh, yeah, my, my beautiful boy. Yeah. What? Oh, really? Oh, okay. Uh, Let's deal with it when it comes up. When it comes up. Right. Uh, Tom, before we recorded, I really struggled with this fight. Mateus Gamrot steps in on kind of short notice, four weeks, to face Jalen Turner. He replaces Dan Hooker. Quite the change for Turner, going from Dan Hooker, the striker, to Gamrot, the wrestler. Yeah, respect for not shying away from it to Jalen Turner. Oh, respect to both of these guys, yeah. But Turner in particular going like, complete change of opponent, totally different style. Let's have it. 
Come on, Turner. That's what I like to see, mate. Um, well, I, I think that speaks to his confidence. And the man has every right to be confident with his record I, since, I think also, since COVID, Joe. I think since this COVID, is also it's, been, it's been a great card. It's a great card to stay on. Like, you want to stay on the John Jones return cards. Like, Dan Hooker's out. just like, oh, my God, give me Sarukin. Give me anyone. Like, give me whoever whoever you can, because I'll face them. It's like, that is absolutely the right angle to take. But, yeah, I mean, Turner must be so confident. I mean, he's got a lot of subs. Uh, quite a few guillotine chokes, if I'm uh, right to remember, no? Yeah, he likes a guillotine. He likes uh, an RNC as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think what is most interesting to me in this is the height and reach between these two yeah i mean jalen turner we've got to highlight it right now the tarantula six foot three Mm. at lightweight oh lord james (laughs) vick-esque 77 inch reach advantage over 77 reach advantage 77 to reach over gamrot 70 um yeah sorry tom i interrupted yeah, I mean, I'm just speaking to where Jalen Turner is right now. I mean, he's just ran through everybody since February of, of 2020. Mm. Uh, but you've got to look at who he's ran through, though. Uh, Brock Weaver, Joe. Yeah. Uros Medic. Yep. Jamie Larkey. Yep. And then last time out, Brad Riddell, probably the biggest scalp on his record. Yeah. But uh, the way that it happened, definitely not going to take anything away from Jalen Turner. Mm. Uh, but he kind of just, yeah, he fell into that guillotine. Riddell a little what? bit. What? No, he got rocked badly and then he got fell into the guillotine. He got, I'm sorry, mate, you need to give that to Turner. He smoked Riddell on the feet and then got the guillotine from there. Like, that, you have to give him that credit. Like, I know what you're leading leading to. Like, you're kind of like talking him down in terms of the wrestling compared to Gamrot's wrestling. And I think that's of fair. Of course. There's an issue for Gamrot, though is that Gamrot is a small lightweight. He fought featherweight for a long time at KSW. In fact, that was his main division before going up and winning the uh, lightweight title, I think, in his last fight in KSW. Uh, No, not his last fight, his penultimate fight um, in KSW, my mistake. Um, So there's that to contend with. I think Gamrot is obviously going to be going for the wrestling. I mean, Christ, he's not going to stay on the feet with Turner. I struggle to see him getting a takedown from a body lock up against the cage. Gamrot needs to go for low singles, very low singles. And at what point does that open up for uh, Turner is the knees up the middle. Like, that is going to be really important. Also, what's really important here, both southpaw for Gamrot. So that single is there. That single is there. However, that hand is closer for Turner to land in from there. That foot is going to be right there for Gamrot to go for. Can Turner, has Turner developed enough since his loss to Matt Frivola four years ago to withstand Gamrot's wrestling? I personally think yes. I think this is going to be quite, I think this is going to be a decision victory for Jalen Turner. My God, Joe, you've yeah. lost your mind. Uh, hold on. You've you... lost your mind. No. <laughs> I can't believe what you've just said. Yep. I cannot believe This that. is going to be a cracking fight. This is going to be scrambly as all hell. I think it's going to be madness on the feet. I can't wait for this fight. I'm lead, I've lent to, I've lent to Turner. It's going to be 100 mile an hour. 100 mile an hour. Turner mental. There's no other way. Yeah. Gamron doesn't know any other way. What I can't believe about what you're saying here is you think a scrambly fight favours 
Jalen Turner. No, I didn't say that at all. I'm just saying that if Turner can stop the takedowns, keep it on the feet. I think Gamrot's not going to let him settle on the feet as well. So Turner is going to have to, like, you know, I think he's going to have to catch Gamrot at weird angles. I think that first round is going to be carnage. I, I, I just, I feel it. I feel it, man. I feel for Turner. I feel that he's going to get this. I think it's going to be a hellacious fight. Decision win for Turner. Len, very, like, I was honestly debating this. This is the fight I was debating the most, and I had Gamrot decision for a long time before landing on Turner. So much debate, and yet you've ended up with such a fundamental conclusion. I think two wins of the belt in a row has just blown your blown your brain. Well, I think your young mind wasn't ready for victory. What are you on about? I picked Jamal Hill to win, and that got me. That got me the win. And what else did got me the win? Justin Taffer. So if if anything, you're the one struggling here, mate. Yeah, I too have seen shooting stars, you know, but it doesn't happen every every day, Joe. Imagine right? imagine if I do get this right and this does happen and Turner wins, you're gonna be absolutely crushed. I'm not worried about that at all because my man uh Gamrot is gonna be spamming, spamming shooting on single legs, chain wrestling, he's gonna be on his knees crawling and chasing Turner all the way around the octagon until That's Turner not good. falls like a tree, Joe. He's not going to... No. That, you know what you've just said there? You've just described Derek Brunson versus Israel Adesanya. <laughs> That's what you've just described there. Gamrot's not going to do that. Gamrot's too smart for that. I will also say that Gamrot is blind. Like, he can't see. Like, he's got terrible vision. And I don't know, man. I don't... I, don't, I wouldn't be messing around with a guy like Turner. I've got to say, I have, my research hasn't gone to that level. But I, I, I just assume if you can't see, you wear contacts or there's something... <laughs> you can mitigate that. Are you not... Are you telling me that if you wear glasses, you're just done for? You, they just set you in there and you can't see? Yeah, it's like Is Charles that... Oliveira. He can he can't see. Wait, they don't wear contacts, nothing like that? No, of course they don't. That's really dangerous. I didn't know. No. I didn't know. Well, it... credit to my man Gamrot for overcoming that uh, obstacle. Yeah. The good thing is, uh, you know, Jalen Tanner is really big, Joe. Yeah. He's really big. You can't miss him. Gamera will be able to see him. And he'll see where that knee is. He'll catch it and he'll take your man down. And your man won't get back up. So I've got You don't think he's getting back up? You don't think he's getting he's so mate. I think those limbs back, uh, Joe, I think he's getting back up. I think he's making it difficult, but I just it's just so suffocating, uh Gamrot's approach. Yeah. Benil Dariush showed us the way to beat Gamrot. He shocked us uh, with his with his win. Probably shouldn't have been such a shock because Darius he's right there. Um, but still, it was kind of like a breakout. Like, oh my god, he's really he's really there. Mm. Um, and the way you beat him is by just shucking him off by out wrestling him. And I just don't see Turner Man, being able to do that. Turner's physically just so much different to what Gamrot's face though. And I, I, like like I think the body locks. I don't I don't see much happening there. I can see the underhooks from Turner getting in there. That's going to be hard no, to get him down. I, and the misdirections I, from there. That's Joe, not going to happen. You, you've called that. that I, I agree with that. But you also called the fact that yeah, both southpaw. The single leg's going to be there. And there's your key to victory. Yeah, but then that's why you show the knees up the middle. Mateusz Gamrot winning by decision. Fair enough. Now let's talk about this fight. Bo Nickel makes his debut uh, against Jamie Pickett. Finally happens. Uh, the All-American, a lot of people said the best wrestler in the history of folk-style wrestling. Incredible record. National champion three times. Um, incredible. And I'm just going to say right now, Jamie Pickett's getting an ass-whooping. Like, there's this, this is... This is the Bo Nickel show. He's opening the main card, and it is the Bo Nickel show. People are going like, oh, can he handle the pressure? This man has wrestled at Madison Square Garden multiple times. 
multiple, multiple times. There is no pressure that this guy has not faced from a very young age. And from what I've seen in his MMA career, including his amateur fights, he's got some hands as well. But my God, when it gets to the ground, when he implements the wrestling, that's his world and you cannot match him there. Well, I tell you what helps you to have good hands, Joe. Uh, Mm. It's the absolutely suffocating fear of being taken down by Bo Nickel and the (laughs) knowledge that he can do that at will. Mm. Uh, That makes it pretty hard to set up for any shots that come come up top. Mm. (laughs) Because any any movement, any twitch of the fibre in in Nickel's body and you're thinking, he's shooting. Yeah. Uh, now, yeah, his opponents thus far have not been able to deal with that. I think that's such a huge factor um, when you're fight, fighting Bo Nicholas that you've got to be on guard, ready to sprawl at all moments. Mm. And naturally, that means you're going to have to take the hands down. You're not going to take ideal positions. You're not going to take the same kind of risks. So it's exciting. There's a high ceiling for Bo Nickel. Absolutely. Uh, got to love what you've seen from him so far. Just yeah. pick your poison in terms of destruction. He's been whooping fools. Uh, these fools have not had Wikipedia records, so I can't tell you much about them. <laughs> uh, Jamie Pickett also has not got a Wikipedia record, but we have seen him in the UFC. Have you been impressed so far, Joe? Of Jamie Pickett? Yeah. Why are you asking me this question? No, I've not been impressed. Yeah. Two so and four? I ca- I ca- Carl, I ca- it lost to Jordan <laughs> Wright. I lost to Carl Dorcas. Come on, son. Tell me, this is his win. This is his two wins. Joseph Holmes, tell me about this man. Can you tell me anything about him? I cannot. Joe. And then Laureano, the Laureano Staropoli. Yeah, he's get, he's going on that UFC roster watch on Monday morning. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm seeing that X next to him. Right? Well, Staropoli is now fighting in Fernand Lopez's uh, promotion of uh, Aries FC. And right. Joseph Holmes, Joseph Holmes, by the way, his tapology he picture... He's uh, is him in boxing gloves, so not even an MMA <laughs> fighter anymore. Yeah, that's what Bo Nickel does to people, Joe. That's how good he is. <laughs> Here we go. No, I mean, of course, yeah. Pick, pick your poison, Bo Nickel by crushing victory. I have to land on a sub. Sub, myself. same here. Sub. Uh, th- right. Do you know what, man? That last performance of his, I think it was his last one. We got the triangle choke. That was so slick. Like he got the takedown and rolled into the triangle. And it was too late. Like the guy wasn't even like set in the position, and it was too late. Like it was, it was over. Bo nickel by submission. This guy is coming. Get him fighting three times this year. He's not a heavy middleweight either, so he he's not going to have a massive cut. Get him out there. Well, let me let me say something I found interesting. Uh, he is on him and Jamie Pickett taking his moment in the spotlight. He is on the uh... embedded. Uh, not just on the embedded, but on the the main the main preview. Like, it's oh, really? What it's called? Oh, countdown. Yeah. Yeah, He's count- on the countdown. Jamie Pickett's got his moment. <laughs> <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. Uh, look, let's move on, Tom. We're going to talk about the prelims. There's one fight I need to bring up because um, I'm worried, man. Cody Garbrandt faces Trevin Jones. I- <laughs> Even in victory, man, I don't know what I'm feeling here for, for Garbrandt. Trevin Jones is about as easy a landing you can get on the run that Garbrandt's on, which is one win and five defeats. A pr- crushing fall from grace from Garbrandt. And you know what, Tom? I did a bit of research, yeah, as, as I want to do. And I think I realised what Garbrandt's issue is. Um, well, he's got two issues. One, he has no chin. 
okay? And then the other problem is, is that his reach is well below the average of bantamweight, meaning that all of his fights have to be inside, yeah, he has to do inside fighting and it has to be all hooks, and so basically he has to, his chin has to back up his hooks, and he has no chin. Exposed. I, I, Exposed. I, it's not good, man, like, he, it's the Paolo Costa problem, of like, you're, you, you, you can't fight at range, you can't fight at range, so you have to get inside. But if you go inside, you need your chin to back you up. And he just doesn't have that. Yeah. Uh, can't can't deny it. Of course, he does have tremendous speed. Uh, yeah. I think there was a time you would have called him the man with the fastest hands in the UFC. Yeah, people did I, say that. Certainly after the Dominic Cruz fight, which will go down in Hall of Fame territory. Yeah. Just an absolute... Uh, 10 out of 10 masterful 10 out of 10 display yeah 5 star just, um, he, he just looked a little league ahead yeah um, but that man is no more yeah and of course dropping down to flyweight last chance to kind of reinvigorate himself happened to run into Kai Kara France who was exploding into the lime like that mm. at that moment and of course succumbing to another thunderous knockout loss mm. uh, yeah he's shot Joe he's absolutely shot he's washed and the fact that he goes into this fight is just you know, relatively slim favourite against Trevin Jones really cements his fall from grace. A loss here, Joe, and I think you'd have to a win. Cody Graham. A win, and he should be putting the gloves on the mat. Like, if you're Garbrandt, you've been given this fight here. Do the right thing for yourself and for your family, mate. Like, and I don't. I look. I maybe this seems a bit preachy or whatever. I can't tell these people what to do. Obviously, like, but. <laughs> Do you want to see this guy, like, you know, oh, he's got a win. Right, oh, Garbrandt. Um, oh, uh, Adrian Yanez, mate? Yeah, do you fancy you fancy that? Yeah, yeah, get in there and face Yanez. Or, I mean, I mean, who can he even face if he wins? Like, hold on, let me let me bring up some rankings stuff. Like, let me see who he could face. Because... Well, Joe, you don't, don't want to look at the bantamweight rankings in terms of matchup for Kobe Garbrandt unless you're a sick freak. Because uh, there's very... There's very... <laughs> There's no nice matchups for him there. You'd say no names, Joe. Say no names. You don't want him against Umar Nurmagomedov. You don't want him against Jack Shaw. We've already seen uh, Pedro Munoz. Douglas Andrade. You know, the short little tank. That's what we're looking at here. I wonder if there is for Cody. Uh, I don't know where he's at with his contract with the UFC, but I have to think that if he was able to get out of that contract, him going over to the PFL, him going potentially what? to Bellafort. Yeah, I got to think there's a market for Cody Garbrandt. The man's just 31. Yeah. He's still a big name. Yeah, you know um, you know where he's going? Yeah, he's joining Darren Till and Bare Knuckle. That's where he's going. Like, never mind PF- PFL. Oh, my days. I'm saying the man, the man needs paid, needs to get paid. He uh, he still has a family, and yeah, the bantamweight rankings are not for you anymore, Cody. Uh, which is just crazy. Thirty-one, done. Not got those big miles on the clock, but but done. Do you think? I mean, um, let, 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 let me just push back a little bit, just yeah. you know, for the sake of it, Joe. And uh, now we well well notified the listeners of his recent run five knockout losses no. in his last. No, Rob Font's the only one. Do you think Rob Font looks at that and goes like, I should have knocked that guy out. Look at all these other guys. Look at these jabronis knocking him out. He, he worked a flyweight. Him, I the, yeah. I that j- jab coming crashing in. And Cody waiting for the shot that he put away Rafaela Sunsau with. <sighs> he, kept, he kept like... Huh? Dipping down for and it, so, yeah. Rob, Rob Font's like, I watched your last fight, mate. I'm just going to take a step back. Like, I'm not a mug. <laughs> I, I just don't think Cody Garbrandt's an intelligent fighter. 
He sees Red and he goes wading in. The, the, I rewatched the Munoz one. I, I honestly, I watch it maybe about five times a year because it's hilarious. But like, he goes wading in and it's like he starts exchanging hooks with him. And there's ten seconds to go of the round. Go to your corner, cool off. He's got no sense of time. He's got no sense of like ring awareness, craft, the fight itself. It's just what well, I gotta get him back. He just I don't think he's got the fight or emotional intelligence to do this and yet he became the bantamweight champion of the world well just six short years ago (laughs) well it's because he you know what he had the right setup you know he had the right setup if you i mean if you listen to the interviews i think it seems like justin buckles was quite a big component of that you know he had the cut he knew he knew cody had worked with him for years and he could see him in the don cruz get fight getting emotional and he had a code word for him that he would yell to get him to calm down and he i mean he must be yelling it every 10 seconds but like <laughs> but head movement yeah 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 have you ever seen that video of um the alvarez mcgregor fight where it's just alvarez's corner being mic'd up have you ever heard that no they're just they're just getting 68 68 eddie 68 eddie 68 like eight minutes and then yeah, it's 68 eddie <laughs> just nothing but yeah. Anyway, uh, let's talk about Drickers Duplessis versus Derek Brunson. Hilarious fight. Can't wait. What else, what else is there to say? Uh, that I think this is a kind of <laughs> watershed moment for for Drickers. Uh, well, I was going to say that, Joe, but I'm more meant for the end. I'm kind of mixing up my uh, my language a bit here, but for the end of Brunson. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, watershed for his downfall. Basically. Right. He's gonna he's gonna come crashing through. And he's, look, it's just a, he's really going to face such an athletic uh, Duplessis. Yeah. And after Brunson's last fight, where he looked anything but athletic, he looked he looked troubled. He looked old. Uh, he looked old. He is old. Father time waits for no man. I think we're going to see this in definitive fa- fashion here. Really nice one for Duplessis to get under his belt. Duplessis is so good at, like, catching people at the end of his punches. Like his punches are so long. Like you, like you see guys like pull back. Like I watched the Tavares one, and Tavares, you can see Tavares like I've pulled back. I'm out the way, and he still catches them. He's got such long punches and like just chaining them together. Can't wait for this fight. I think uh, it'll be a nice. I think I agree. I think Duplessis is going to shine here and uh, come through. Uh, Listen, we're at an hour, but we need to talk about this. Uh, Darren Till's been cut from the UFC. Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh, but uh, he's been cut from the UFC. Um. Yeah, right decision. Right decision. I mean, right he, he's hinted... I mean, he retweeted Nick Pete, um, who said, some fighters get cut and some fighters ask to get released. So I think Till may have asked for his release by the sounds of it, which, again, shows some awareness there. Um, but we know what is coming. Darren Till versus Mike Perry, bare knuckle FC. Let's have some of that, mate. Come on. Yeah, another man who's fallen from grace in, in spectacular... No, he fashion. hasn't. Perry's done all right for himself. He's found, no, he's no, found da, his niche. Da, da, Darren Till. Oh, sorry. Darren Till. Yeah. No, no, there was never... <laughs> Mike Perry never was in any grace. <laughs> grace and Mike Perry are two sentences that will never meet again on that Van, Venn diagram. Fair enough. Um, no, I meant Darren Till, of course, yeah. much hyped at one point, and it's been a struggle to let go of that hype, but any hype that remained was crushed brutally in that loss to... Duplessis. Mm. So yeah, happy to see that. Happy to see that. To be honest with you, he's not a middleweight. 
he's he's not big enough for a middleweight, is he? Like, I th- he's just caught in this weird position of like, like if there was like a one seventy five, one seventy eight division. Well, there should be. Don't get me started on that show. There should be a one sixty five and a one seventy five. Mm. Mm. But those days, it's too late for Darren Till anyway. He needs to sign pastures new. I saw some people going like, "Oh, he could go to Bellator. He could go to one." And it's just like, have you seen the Bellator champions, Johnny Eblen? He would smoke Darren Till, and Rainer Derrida takes people down at light heavyweight. Like, you know, and the one middleweight rank the weight is one ninety five. Like he's got no hope against someone like Reina de Ritter. Like it's just, I think Till should cash in on his name, get like five to ten big fights outside of this. Do some of that celebrity boxing nonsense. You know, Floyd Mayweather just fought at the O2 Arena, sold five percent of the tickets there against some Geordie Shaw guy. Um, just taking people's money, Floyd. Good for him. Till should get in on this. Do some bare knuckle. Face Perry in England. Perry faced MVP in England. They sold out Wembley Arena. He, they could do that easily. Easily. There's a, there's there's options out there for him. I, I think so. I think so. I, I, I certainly know a, a man. Jake Paul would be interested in the potential. Oh, that yes. Too. That would be good. Yeah, it's, it's intriguing. And it fits the profile for Jake Paul, obviously c- trying to come off his last of fury. I know we said we weren't going to talk about it, but here we are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You texted between. me. You texted me on Sunday. After you'd listened to my the Sunday Don't post. Don't out me, Joe. And you Don't said, out me. You said, are you going to watch Paul versus Fury? And I was just like, yeah, maybe. Why? And he said, like, it's got me. I'm intrigued. I'm in. Like, I don't know what happened to you. Yeah. Have you been drinking? Away at me. It's... A, it, it, <laughs> Um, I'll say it's a combination of Jake Paul's announcement that he might be going to PFL and then also a bit of coverage from Mixed Molly Opry. I'm all about the hype. I'm all about the narrative. So yeah, mm. this was a kind of first step in him like legitimizing himself as a fighter and uh, he comprehensively failed to do so. He was totally outboxed by, by Tommy Fury, who's clearly quite a limited boxer. <laughs> You know, with nothing more than the jab. So yeah, yeah. I mean, when closes that book. It took Fury seven rounds to realize. Oh, I can throw an uppercut at some guy who's ducking his head down to his waist. Like, you know. I, I by the way, I'm intrigued by a rematch if it's in England. Do you know what I mean? O2 Arena, bunch of Essex lads all on the roids and chisel up their nose like they. Oh man, the Atmos would be incredible. Jake, mate, if you want me to cover that for press, give me press accreditation. And by the way, Scott Coker, sort out my press accreditation for you, uh, Bellator Paris. Yeah, I want to see, see Mansar Barnui in the flesh. Give it to me. Right, listeners, right, what were our picks? Uh, let's go through the main card again. Me and Tom made picks for the main card. Uh, starting at the bottom, Bo Nickel by submission over Jamie Pickett. Yeah, you unanimous on that. Absolutely. Mateus Gamrot versus Jalen Turner. I've gone for Jalen Turner by decision. Yeah, you've lost your mind there, Joe. It's Mateusz Gamrot who's going to win that by decision. Uh, Jeff Neal versus Shavkat Rachmanov. I've gone for Rachmanov by submission. It's a KO here for Rachmanov. Ground and pound, I'm assuming. Ground and pound. Women's flyweight, we've both gone for Valentina Shevchenko by decision. And in the main event, John Jones versus Cyril Garn for the vacant heavyweight title. Garn by decision for both of us. You've surprised me there, Joe. Do you think I was going to go for Jones? Yeah, I thought uh, I was oh. going to go for Jones last night. So. T- ten minutes before we started recording, I had Jones. And then I'm like, but I was so certain on Garn a week ago. I have to stick with that. So, okay. so real Garn by decision. Uh, listeners, we'll be back next week to talk about the card. 
Uh, hope you enjoy it. Contact us at holdonbrother69 at gmail.com. Leave a comment what you think is going to happen in the main event on Saturday. And if any other fights stand out to you, who you think uh, could be a breakout star, and what you think might be the fight of the night, because uh, I actually genuinely do think Turner versus Gamrock will be a stonker of a fight. Tom, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Joe. And listeners, thank you so so much for joining us. Sorry, I'm slightly losing it. We've gone over an hour, which is not normal for <laughs> you, us. You've lost the plot, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye-bye.